Greetings. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. Today we are continuing with our review of the key principles of effective Bible study based on a booklet of the same name available on our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com. This podcast is inspired by the following Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what is the goal of this series of studies? It's to help you obtain greater value from your Bible study and devotional sessions. These episodes are about 15 to 20 minutes each, and focused on key principles that God teaches us through His Word. Most people know that Bible study is essential to the Christian experience, and many people realize that without prayer, Bible study is futile and unproductive. But there are other, less known principles that the Scriptures also teach us, and our goal is to present them to you. These will help you to see God's Word in a more expansive way and will assist you in becoming just like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, 10 through 12. Today's study is entitled, Understanding Context is Helpful. But before we begin our study together, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of Bible study. We thank you for being able to conduct it in this fashion. We invite your presence to be with us, and we ask that you will grant unto us your Holy Spirit, give us wisdom and understanding, and help us to rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Context is helpful. Context is not everything, but it's helpful. Understanding the context of a message in the Bible often greatly aids in understanding how it should be applied to us. In order to gain the import of every message, every instruction, every story that's found in the Bible, we need to understand as much as we can about who said it, to whom, and for what purpose. More than that, we need to understand how the original recipients of the message understood it. Many of the metaphors used by Jesus and the prophets were instantly recognizable to the recipients because of their way of life. And by having a proper understanding of how they lived, we will have a better appreciation and understanding of the information given and be able to see the underlying principles more clearly. Right? An example would be when the Jews, when Jesus would say something like, I'm the son of God, and the Jews would pick up stones to stone him because they understood that in him saying that he was the son of God, that he was also God. Okay? Because the Son of God is also God. He's not the Father, but he's also God. And if we see that Son, Father, eh. But if you understand how they understood it, you'll understand why they picked up stones to try and kill him. If we are only willing to match the illustrations used in the Bible by the modern manifestations that we see today, We will not only miss many of the key lessons that the Bible holds for us, but we will likely come to some incorrect conclusions about what is being said. Also, as indicated previously, we miss many opportunities to correctly interpret Israel the people or Israel the place because we ignore the context of the passages in question. Finally, 
many of the apparent contradictions that we come across in the Bible are due to lack of contextual understanding on our part. Why is Paul emphasizing grace and faith over works? Why is James pointing out the necessity of works that are an outgrowth of a true Christian relationship? Knowing what issues the listeners were going through and what problems the apostles, prophets, and other Bible writers were inspired to address would go a long way to harmonizing supposed contradictions. One other aspect of context to consider is that the Bible wasn't always divided into chapters and verses. The scriptures were originally written as letters or communication that did not necessarily align with where our chapter-verse divisions are today. One thing that we should not be too quick to use context for is to prevent the instruction or principles of a particular passage from applying to us today. Right? People are very quick to say, oh, that was written to them, so it doesn't mean anything to us now. A quick look at 1 Corinthians 10, as an example, will show that the Apostle Paul saw many, many ways in which the experiences of God's people anciently could and should be applied to us. Remember, the lessons, principles, and instructions in the Bible are broadly applicable to us, as we discussed in a recent episode. So let's look at a couple of verses, as always, from the King James Version, and we'll discuss the context. Matthew 16, 6 through 12. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Okay, that's the statement Jesus makes. And they reasoned among themselves, these are his disciples, and they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. Which, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Okay, this is important. This is very important because Jesus is saying, y'all are hearing food, but I'm talking about spiritual things because that's what Jesus did. He spoke about spiritual things all the time and he didn't invent anything. Everything that Jesus preached, you can find in the Old Testament. In some cases, he expanded on things that people didn't realize were broader than than. Um, were being taught at that current time. And in other cases, he fixed things that the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, all these folks had perverted and redirected. Okay? But the basic premise is, here's an example of him speaking about doctrine and them hearing about food. Okay? And, and there's another place where that happens. There's another verse that people like to focus on um, where Jesus speaks about it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out. And they're like, see, you can eat anything. But Jesus wasn't talking about food, right? So context is important. While principles can be broadly understood and should be broadly understood, 
you really ought to know what the person was trying to say before you try and make their words say more. So here's an example where Jesus was not talking about bread, even though he used a term that you would think is associated with bread. And the disciples got it wrong. And Jesus said, how could you get that wrong? And then they realize what he was discussing. John 21, 21 through 23. This is an interesting one. Peter, seeing him, saith unto Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now, Peter, Jesus has just asked Peter three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And John is there. And so Peter asks Jesus about John. And he says, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Right? In other words, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do. Mind your business. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple, referring to John, should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Okay, so here's another example where Jesus says something and the people listening hear something else, right? The listen, Peter says, what, you know, because Jesus had just given Peter a description of what was going to happen to him, right? He told him, just understand, right now you're, you're going wherever you want, you're dressing yourself how you want, but there's going to come a time where your arms are going to be stretched out and people are going to be dressing you and people are going to be taking you where you don't want. And so then Peter wants to know, well, what's going to happen to John? And Jesus said, what if I don't want him to die? What if I want him to wait until I come? What's that to you? You follow me. And so now the people hearing, because there are other disciples there, they heard, oh, wow, John is not going to die. <laughs> but Jesus didn't say that. And John is now telling us, Jesus never said that. He said, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So it's important that the missing if changes everything there. And too often when we read the scriptures, we see things that are not there or we miss things that are clearly there. We're going to take a quick look at a couple more examples for your benefit. Phraseology, the way. The term the way is used in different ways in the Bible. And I could have picked any other terms because this, this is not unique to this phrase. The law is used in a lot of ways in the Bible. We can have, there's a huge discussion that needs to be had on that. A huge, we'll have a separate episode on that at some point. Um, but the way. You need context. When you read something and it has this, the phrase, you need, even without the underlying Greek or Hebrew word, right? Even before we go there just looking at it from English, the context will help you, right? So let's look at that. The way, we'll pick a couple of verses where that is. In John 14, verses four through six, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas says unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
Okay, so the way here has a specific connotation that's salvational. Okay, in Acts 8, 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go to the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. So again, we have the, the phrase, it's a short phrase, the way, but we're talking about a road, a path, right? This is all physical. There's nothing spiritual about this. Okay, and we have other verses. Acts 9.17 uses the term the way, similarly. Acts 9.27 discusses the same thing. The word, the, the phrase the way is used that same way. But Acts 18.25, talking about Apollos, it says, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. That's not about a road, right? That's not about a road. In Acts 18.26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Okay? And that, that might have been easy because it said the way of the Lord, right? But in Acts 24.14, Paul is speaking here before a council, and he says, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I God, the God of my fathers. Right? So again, this is a spiritual context. Now, these were easy, and I picked them because they're largely non-controversial. Right? Um, but we'll pick one that's slightly controversial, or at least misunderstood. So in Acts 10, we were talking about that whole food issue, right? In Acts chapter 10, Peter and Cornelius, in your Bible it may be entitled Peter and Cornelius. So in Acts chapter 10, Peter ends up getting the vision of the sheet that comes down, has all sorts of animals, and he's told by a heavenly voice, arise, Peter, kill and eat. Now he believes that voice to be the Lord because he answers and says, uh, not so, Lord for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice says, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. So a lot of people are like, da-da, see that? New Testament, eat what you want. Old Testament, something different, but in the New Testament, you eat what you want. And that's fine if you stay on that verse. But the thing you should notice is it happened three times. And despite what Peter's told, he answers the same way three times. The sheet leaves. He hasn't eaten anything. He's still hungry. And when that happens, look at what it says in Acts chapter 10, 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So Peter has this dream this vision, right? It's not a dream. He, he was in a trance. He had a vision. He's hungry. He's up there praying and he has this vision. He's told to rise, kill and eat. He says, no, 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 I, I haven't done that. The voice says, hey, what God has cleansed, stop calling it common. But he does it two more times. He's told to do it three, two more times. He still responds the same way two more times. It goes away and he is perplexed. He's contemplating because he does not, he certainly doesn't think it's about food. Because if he thought it was about food and he knew it was God speaking to him, he would have eaten it. He wouldn't have rejected it three times. And at the end of the third time, he wouldn't have been confused about it. 
Okay. So remember, at this point, Peter is perplexed about this. 19 says, while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And Peter goes, right? So he knows how to obey God, right? Here he obeys God. God says, rise and kill and eat. And he's like, mm, I don't think that's what you mean, <laughs> right? I don't think that's what you mean. And the Lord's like, hey, I mean it. And he's like, mm, I don't think that's what you mean. Why is Peter saying that? Because Peter knows what God has already said. And Peter knows that God doesn't contradict himself. So he's one, he knows that this means something, but he does not yet know what it means. So he's thinking about it. The Spirit comes and says, hey, there's some people for you and don't worry about it. I sent them. So Peter goes, right? Because he knows how to obey God. And he goes and we get all the way down to Acts 10, 34. And after he's told what he, you know, after Cornelius gives him his little piece about what has gone on, Peter says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respect of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Okay, that's what he says there. And he goes on to begin preaching. Holy Spirit falls upon them. And then he's really surprised by all of this. So he stays. They magnify God, X, Y, and Z. Okay, chapter 11. Peter get, gets back to Caesarea now. He gets back to Judea, rather. And, and the brethren are like, hey, we heard that you were hanging out with some Gentiles. And, and here it is, Acts 11.4. Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, and he goes and gives the whole thing, and he tells you about the dream again, and he tells you that he's, he still doesn't get it, and that the people there, and he went and he preached, and then he says... For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Okay? So Peter then understood. Peter then understood that the vision was not about food. It was about salvation. Just as Jesus comments about not what goes in but what goes out was not about food. In fact, if you pay attention carefully, when the Pharisees questioned him about him and his disciples, they didn't question him about food. They questioned him about ceremonial washing of hands before eating. So even the Pharisees were not focused on food in that discussion. Okay. I hope we've been able to show clearly how understanding context is helpful. Context isn't everything, but it is helpful. Remember, the lessons, principles, and instructions in the Bible are broadly applicable to us, but context is helpful. Thanks for taking this time to study with us today. We encourage you to prayerfully review the booklet in conjunction with this recording. Let us close our study with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness and goodness to us. We thank you for your word as rich and uh, diverse as it is. And we ask you to help us as we come to study to apply these principles and especially to remember to pray 
so that you can give us wisdom and understanding and help us to rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening in. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them to BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com and we will do our best, by God's grace, to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. If you are finding these studies to be a blessing, please let us know all about it and also share these studies with others. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word.